Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, and today we're going to be talking some more with Adam McKinsey, um, not only about his new book, Week Weeknight Smoking on Your Traeger and Other Pellet Grills. For some reason, I have a trouble saying the word weeknight. I don't know why, but it's there. Um, and if you haven't listened to the regular show, you should, because it's full of great information from Adam about the book and his cooking prowess in there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So, Adam, I ask you in the regular show, what is it you learned by doing this book? Now I'm going to ask you, what was the biggest pain in the butt doing this book? Um, I think one of the hardest parts was um, uh, when they started to do the, when we started doing the photography. So Page Street sent out a photographer um, to come and take the pictures. And he was here from Monday through, I think it was Saturday. Uh, and we cooked every dish in the cookbook, plus some extras that didn't even make it in the cookbook. So I think just really cooking everything. We cooked from eight in the morning to about eight at night. So it was full days of, um, you know, cooking all the food and talking about how the food was going to be presented. And um, just kind of that, that part was really, it was fun, but it was also a whirlwind because it was exhausting, just cooking everything and just thinking about everything and just kind of getting that final step and knowing that this is, was going to be what people saw. So making sure that it was perfect was definitely, definitely tough. Oh, it, it always is. Like I said, I've been through that process and it's, it's a challenge. And it's also, as you, as you prescribed patience in the book, you have to have patience when you're doing a book. Um, I found out the hard way, but you have to have patience in doing the book. <laughs> yeah. Cause when we did mine, it's a long time ago and it's out of print now, but uh I think we took three days to shoot the pictures for that. And it was a Christmas themed holiday themed book. And uh, even though we were shooting it like in September, you know, so we really weren't in the mood, but we had lots of Christmas ornaments and different stuff around that we were using. And we had one hell of a mess in the kitchen when we were done at the end of the day. I can tell you that. Do you cook much? Inside, or do you just limit yourself to outside? I'm trying to limit myself to outside mostly, you know, don't really. The oven's more used for storage of pots and pans. And, huh. <laughs> um, you know, occasionally, you know, we'll use, use the stovetop, you know, if I'm in a rush to kind of heat up a cast iron, you know, or um, heat up something, you know, a little bit, um, you know, get some water boiling or maybe get the oil up to temperature um, a little bit quicker. Um, you know, and then put it on the grill and kind of finish it that way. Well, that sounds, that sounds like a reasonable thing. I used to, when I got out of college and was 
working at my first uh, job in my oven, even though I could cook, I kept uh, scotch because it was the, that's where I, that was kind of my bar storage because everybody that worked for me um, felt free to go into my, I was lived in a trailer at that a double wide mobile home and they would come in and help themselves to stuff, but nobody ever looked in the oven. So I always kept my, kept my booze in the oven back then. So that's a great place for it. Yeah, it is. And the full ones were on top and the empty ones were on the bottom rack. So that's, yeah. that's, I might, a, I might have to steal that idea, you know, especially with uh, babies coming, you know, I mean, you know, no one's going to look in the, uh, look in the oven and they know we don't use it. So yeah, great. Yeah. Just put it in there and nobody will bother it. I, I guarantee it. So, um, when I wanted to talk, we could have talked about this more in the regular show, but I wanted to talk about your, what stimulates you to create a recipe? Now I'm going to give you an example for me and, and we don't really know each other, but I will look at sometimes like a classic dish, uh, maybe like chicken cordon bleu or chicken Kiev or something like that. And then I will take it. And I kind of, you know, things start banging around in your brain and then you come up or I come up with my own version of it, um, you know, or other other dishes that you see a lot of, even if it's uh, beef stew for, uh, you know, or chili for football season. People are watching on TV or tailgating or something. But how what stimulates you to look at something and say, hmm, I could do that, but maybe we should do this. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's, you know, you, whether you see something on TV or I see something another Instagram person does or see something in a magazine or a cookbook, I just think, you know, just kind of adapting it and turning it into, um, you know, something that I want to do, whether it's, you know, making it more spicy or whether it's, you know, making it a non-traditional. So, you know, it's like chicken cordon bleu, you know, maybe make, doing like a Southwest version of it, um, which is in the cookbook. And then, um, you know, just trying to, trying to put my own flavor spin on it and just change stuff up that, you know, maybe fits, you know, the flavors I'm looking for a little bit different, or if it is a lot of prep, you know, maybe is there an easier way to do something? So if I post it, you know, it's accessible to more people. Yeah, absolutely. Now we didn't talk about this in the show, but you've created some of your own seasonings too, working with um, Spiceology back there. Yeah. Tell us about those. Um, yes, I mean, that was like kind of a, a unique opportunity that presented itself a few years ago was, you know, to work with Spiceology and come out with my own rubs. Um, you know, definitely another thing, you know, people had always asked about. Um, one of the big problems I didn't come out with them sooner was I just didn't want to be dealing with the distribution myself, you know, just being a teacher, my wife working full time. I didn't want to, you know, have to come home and go to the basement and pack bottles and pack yep. boxes. And, yep send them off and worry about all that. So with Spiceology, it was great because they take care of all of that. And they have a really good team of uh, people who can really, you know, fine tune flavors and really worry about a lot of that stuff that I don't have to worry about. And I can just focus on the fun part of promoting it and um, knowing that they're putting out a great product with my name on it. Um, so, you know, with like Garlic Junkie, of course, I needed a, I wanted a steak rub, you know, but still kind of all purpose, you know, something that kind of stood out was a little bit different, you know, so went with a little bit heavier on the garlic on that one. Um, and then of course had to have a traditional barbecue rub and that's a uh, smoke junkie. Um, 
started out as Double Smoke. The name just changed. Um, you know, I wanted a to give it a great color when the meat starts to sweat and just kind of that really good barbecue flavor, which I think we did a really good job with. And then I wanted a rub that's not something you see a lot of, and that's Brunch Chunky. You know, you get that spicy Bloody Mary flavor. So, you know, you can use it for drinks. You can use it on fish. You can use it on chicken. People have used it on pork and steak. Sure. Um, but just something different that you don't really see. And, you know, might catch someone's eye when they see it on the shelf, like, oh, I haven't really seen a rub like that. I want to give that a try and just kind of have some different flavors. And then um, the new one that came out this year was Coffee Junkie. So very similar to Garlic Junkie, but kind of has that coffee um, aspect to it. So mm-hmm. kind of coffee and steak is always a delicious combo. Sure. You know, it's interesting. I'll tell you, I, I spend part of my day looking at social media twitter instagram what have you like that and i see pictures of people some of them have been on the show and they're doing exactly what you said they've got 20 u.s priority boxes and they're stacked up and they're going going to the post office now you know mail out x spices and all that and i think great for them but i look at all that and i think with all those, you just made 30 bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, when you when you do it the way you're doing it and somebody handles the distribution and they can get them into the stores or they've got a good online presence or combination of that, uh, you know, whether it's 30 bucks or 300 bucks, you, you did the hard work as far as creating a viable product. Now somebody else is doing it and and shipping it and making sure it's on the store shelves or whatever the case may be. So I give I give credos and kudos to the folks that create good rubs and spices mixtures, but you really need a distributor and stuff to make that work. Yeah, I mean, I definitely appreciate those people who are doing the hustle and going in the stores and pushing theirs. You know, it's just something I just don't have time for. You know, I don't really. Right. Um, you know, have that desire or that time, you know, definitely not, not at this point in my life. So it's, it's, it's really awesome what Spiceology offers of, you know, having all those connections, you know, they can, they've already built connections with Ace Hardware. They've already built connections with some of those big stores. So it's for them, it's a quick phone call and my product can get on the shelf pretty quick, which is awesome. Yeah. I was actually in the spice business about uh, 20 years ago created four different rubs and I had like another dozen recipes that I was working on. Um, and I was doing just what we were just talking about. I was packing it, shipping it, delivering it like that. And I got out of it within about a year because I couldn't, I didn't have time and, and I, I really didn't have time. And yet I wasn't really big enough at the time or have anybody behind me to say, well, take it to this distributor. And, um, you know, turn it over to them and you come to an agreement and what have you and like that. So I empathize with those people going to the post office every couple of days and shipping stuff, but you're really not making a lot of money. I'll just put it that way. It's, it's Yeah. You know, you're, you bring in a little bit extra, but it's not gonna, not gonna, uh, probably buy you a, buy you a house anytime soon or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It's really not going to change your life. You know, and and if you want to go retail with it, you've got to go up against the shillings and McCormick's and all that. Um, 
you know, the possibility of having to buy shelf space or to give a lot of free product away to get them to the retailers to utilize it. It's big chain stores, Kroger, Safeway, and things like that. Um, it's tough. It can be financially draining. So, like we said, to give you give props to all those who are doing it, but it's a long road um, to get to the top of the mountain on that. What's your out of all the recipes you do and, and all the stuff you've created, what's your favorite? If you have one. Um, I mean, I think I just, you know, really just love still just cooking, you know, a reverse shared steak, you know, just something simple and great about, you know, just a well, a, a nice, nicely cooked steak, you know, just to a perfect temperature and just, um, you know, it's just, just can't beat it. No, you can't beat it. Um, I know you have your own seasonings, but leave those out of the picture just for a second, Adam. What is your perfect seasoning combination for like a, a nice ribeye or a T-bone or something with, without your products, just, um, kind of basic stuff. I mean, definitely, you know, a good quality, uh, salt and pepper in there, you know, definitely, you know, kind of that fresh pepper that kind of has that almost spiciness to it and then i think you know i kind of like some of those untraditional kind of ingredients you know not just garlic but sometimes you know you get some of those like citrus notes in there you get uh whether it might be you know a little bit of coffee in there um just some other uh, some other stuff sure. to kind of play around with those flavors of beef when you're doing chicken i'll i'm going to tell you what i i do um and this is not about me but kind of give you an idea i you know for years it was Lemon chicken, lemon this, lemon that. I I use very very little lemon and stuff. I use fresh oranges. Okay, um, like when I'm doing chicken legs on the grill, I like to take a half a orange, you know, and kind of fresh squeeze a little bit of it on each uh each leg, probably about ten minutes before they're done. Um, I happen to like that flavor and. Uh, I know the people that eat at my house have never fallen over dead from eating it. So um, do you have any little specialties you like to do like that? Um, I think, you know, definitely with like, um, I did it more with turkey and I started doing it with chicken. It's kind of um, putting that citrus down on the grill grates and then lying the meat right on that citrus. Mm -hmm. Kind of just creating that bed. So just kind of, you know, you get the kind of grills the fruit it's kind of grilling that fruit but then it's also hitting the chicken and just kind of just kind of a fun different way to to impart the flavor but i definitely think that's kind of fun something that's not not done a lot or not right widely shared so i think it's just kind of a fun way to um just do something a little bit different with that poultry and then i think also definitely batch cocking it is always the way if you're doing whole chickens or turkeys um Sure. You know, not only not only is it fun to say, but I definitely think it's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it it gives you it gives you the best results. I think. Yeah, if you're not going for that Norman Rockwell look on the table, which yeah, if you're serving a big group of more than say a total of four to six people, um, they're not interested in they, that turkey looks nice, but when do we eat? You know. Yeah. And so when you've got it laid out like that and it's a lot easier to carve, you can cut that whole breast piece out on each side and slice it. And it makes it very, very easy to do. Um, and I, when it's not dry at all. So people, people yeah. are like, oh, it's not dry. I actually enjoy eating turkey again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Well, I can, I've told many stories about my mom <clears throat> and her turkeys and we had, well, let, let me put it in context for you, Adam. We always had a lot of gravy. Okay. If that tells you anything, <laughs> we had big bowls of gravy around there because <laughs> mom, bless her heart, could not cook a turkey to save her butt. So there you go. It was, it was, um, it was always challenging. <laughs> So, um, overall, um, with your book and with your work, how does it compare to the, to the, um, uh, the joy, if you will, or the satisfaction, uh, versus your teaching? How do you balance that too? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely kind of, uh, it's, it's becoming a harder balance as, you know, this you can hue grows and gets bigger and bigger because it's, you know, Instagram and the whole social media doesn't sleep. It's worldwide. So it's um, trying to find time for all of that. So it's, it's definitely harder to find that balance, but it's, um, you know, each, you know, teaching is rewarding in its own way and um, doing that stuff and bringing in some of that stuff and some of that stuff, you know, um, inspires me to, you know, get better and some of my Instagram stuff and um, this you can cue business. And then some of the stuff that I do on, Instagram or Facebook, you know, um, gives me ideas for teaching. So they kind of play off of each other and, um, you know, help me, help me balance out both of them. Sure. Adam McKenzie <clears throat> from this com, And that's Q U E at the end of that. Uh, his new book weeknight smoking on your trigger and other pellet girls, Adam, it's been a really big pleasure to talk to you folks. We had a little difficulty, not difficulty, a little difficulty connecting and it was my fault a month or so ago i got the schedule completely screwed up and then adam and i both had things happening in our lives so it took a little while to get him on the show but i'm glad we did so adam thank you thank you so much for having me it's been awesome no problem we will be back next week with another edition of after hours here on our social media networks and i thank you for listening and remember our motto turn it don't burn it and go out there and be nice to somebody take care everybody